You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nothing, nothing but happy times and chill rides and chill vibes always in the city of Philadelphia. The Sixers went a perfect 5-0 on the West Coast swing. The Philadelphia Eagles are in the NFC Championship game this Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. And it's all smiles here on the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am Adil Royster, one of your hosts. The other host, hopefully also as happy and as jubilant as I am right now, Mr. David Early. Dave, what's the vibe? What's going what's, on? What's the vibe, man? How you doing? The the vibe is good. The vibe is hype. Uh, it's, it's chill, but it's hyper. And I'm just looking forward to the rest of this week and Sunday. Got some big things on the national tilt coming up. And I just, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. This is going to be awesome. One win and they're in the Super Bowl. They may have to let it rip in this game. This Niners defense is so good. I think that they, they're they not going to win the game if they're just um, trying to run the ball a lot. I agree. I agree. Cannot be scared to throw against that Niners defense. And that no, Niners you got to do it. Uh, Sixers. We talked about this prior to the West Coast swing. The West Coast swing is over. And... Now that we have gotten through it, the Sixers are five and zero after that West Coast swing. They're the, what's the record now? Eighteen and four. Their last twenty two. Do I have that right? Uh yeah, they won eighteen of their last twenty two, and they have Brooklyn on Wednesday, and then a big game on Saturday with the Denver Nuggets Saturday afternoon. This is this is not what I expected to be talking about after this West Coast swing. This was just absolute domination towards the later half of that except for you know the the necessary what was that 20 point comeback win against sacramento nice of the eagles not to put a football game biggest game of the year at the same time the sixers were playing the kings this week yeah that was nice that was nice (laughs) of them but Going into the West Coast swing, like after the one point win against Utah, the one point win against the Lakers, I got to be honest, I wasn't feeling really good going up against the Clippers. And they put up 120 and they beat the Clippers by 10. And then they beat Portland by 10. And that's when I was like, okay, all right, I, I feel good. How, how are you feeling after that game against uh, Portland? I'm feeling good. I feel like this team is starting to feel like a team with a shot at the second seed. I think for much of the year, you and I talked about them like they were a like a four or five, three, seed? three to six seed somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Three, three at most. 
And then more likely in the four or five bracket uh, with some six seed possibilities, if things went south or, you know, a couple of teams sneaked in there, the Kevin Durant, obviously uh, his injury obviously changed a lot, even though Kyrie refuses to let them lose certain games, beating like the full throttle, healthy warriors in golden state by himself. Yeah. But, and that, and I don't like to see things like that because I wanted to gain some serious ground against Brooklyn before Durant's ready to roll again, but definitely feel pretty good. Um, at, yeah. at, this, at this point, you kind of, you kind of take what you can get at this point with uh, Brooklyn. We know they're going to dip a little bit in the standings, but I, I guess you can only ask for so much. And Kyrie is still, uh, what is he? Is he an all-star? He's a borderline all-star nowadays. Cause he's definitely not a superstar. I wouldn't classify him as that. Kyrie is easily a superstar and easily an all-star. Uh, um, but I, if, I but would, if you just, but if I you just challenge you on the superstar bit, but okay. He's a hundred percent a superstar, but if you have feelings about him off the court and you just don't like him, I'm I'm certainly open to all that stuff. But in terms of talent, I don't think there's much dispute. Uh, then the Sixers fell behind, very very down to the Sacramento Kings. They were down by twenty at one point, rallied, and won by two in Sacramento, a game that I'm pretty sure the Sixers never win. Like I was full expecting that to be a, a straight up L I was ready. I was fine. I was like, okay. Uh, Eagles won. Like that's my Saturday. I'm just going to go to bed. Next thing I know I get a text and just like Tyrese is going off. You have to wake up and watch the rest of this game. I'm okay. Sure. And lo and behold, Holy hell. They won that game. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty crazy because I was thinking before it started, I was like, well, could you play with just one of Joel or James and go for this because Sacramento played a grueling – they were coming off the second of a back-to-back after losing to the Isaiah Joe-led Thunder. And... We'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, they're going to be tired. We could steal this one. And then when they decided to rest them both, Harrison Grimm on our Slack pointed out, this is great, they're going to get a full five days off. This is what we wanted. So I came around to that, and I was tweeting like, all right, after 10 minutes of watching that first quarter, let's just get everyone else out because I, uh-huh. I don't want to see everyone playing so hard in it. They're down by 20 already. And then they just absolutely stole that one from the jaws of defeat. Tyrese Maxey went nuts. Uh, he reminded you who he is before he got injured in the first place. I know he took some time to reacclimate to, to the lineup, but hell, heck of a win. Really tough that they – had to face the refs and the Kings because that was one of the worst officiating games I think I've seen this season. Yeah, that fourth quarter was rough. I was I did not agree with like half the calls, and I had to be somewhat silent because uh, the 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 man cub was well past his bedtime, and I wasn't trying to wake him up. So there was a lot of screaming into my pillow. <laughs> yeah, I thought there were some really really tough calls against like Trez when he he wasn't planted. But it was such an egregious shoulder by Sabonis. I thought it was one of those where you don't have to be planted to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, right. A few a few other plays where Tobias Harris was like, how are you going to call that on me on this end and then let this go on that end, et cetera? So um, r- they really stole that one. Like you would never have expected them to want to win that game. We've been begging for referees to pl- call it both ways for like how many decades now? Uh, shouldn't we just be used to this at, at this point? 
Yes, but but that was but that was especially bad. We we haven't complained about the refs too much on this pod this year. Uh, I, yeah, you're right. Man, I I've done it off podcast. I haven't quite said it on the air yet. Yeah, but getting into these lineups, and I gotta say, when I heard that like Tyrese Maxey was heading to the bench, quote unquote, even though he's definitely getting like starters minutes. He's, he's like the sixth starter. It's like what Villanova does all the time. Um, but Maxi putting up 32 against Sacramento, 15 against Portland, 22 against the Clippers. I I gotta say, I'm not against this. Like, I don't if he's a spark off the bench, sure. How how are you liking this so far? Uh, I think I mean, it's working, I guess, right? Uh, it's working, yeah. That, that's they, that's one way of saying it. We just leave it there and just and just uh, continue with the rest of the podcast. But yeah, I, I think uh, he clearly deserves a starting role. I'm not sure that Melton. Um, I mean, Melton's not better than him, but is Melton more complementary to the Joel James pick and roll? Maybe. That's an interesting point because, because... of Melton's uh, catch and shooting. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say that. I, I guess I phrased it wrong because I don't mean more complimentary to the pick and roll. I mean more. He he brings to the table things that they're not like guarding a wing defender. Okay. And so defensively, you're getting more stops. You're getting out in transition. I think that's a big part of why that lineup has been so gangbusters. And then you don't feel the need to get him involved in the half court to the same degree you do Reese, right? Right. And. There's always that option, you know, four minutes left in the game. Like you can run Maxi out there with Harden and Embiid. So it's not a it's not a total loss. Like you can run those lineups out there if he's, you know, feeling it like that night. So I'm not completely worried about it. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. For whatever it is, it's still the regular season. So if it works, great. If you suddenly change your mind, go back to something else. Uh, I'm still very much open to bringing Tucker off the bench just to get his overall minutes down and try some other things that you might need to rely on come playoff time. Well, you know how I feel about that. Yep. And our, I think our <laughs> listeners know. Um, Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey has talked before the season to the rights to Ricky guys. He basically said between the three of get rest for your guys, do whatever it takes to win the regular season games. And then, do what it takes to rehearse for the playoffs, he wants to lean the most towards the latter. And he, even if it wasn't the optimal approach to be to give an opponent, he wants to do the types of things that the Sixers will do in the playoffs. So if that means playing Tyrese off the bench, because you're going to do that, fine. If that means bringing him back in the starting lineup, because you really don't see him coming off the bench in round two, then go back to him starting. Because right. you don't want to get too used to stuff that we're never going to see in the biggest moments of the year. Um, and that point that I just made about what Maury says also brings up the idea of how much Montrez Harrell is playing. He absolutely helped them win that game against the Kings, but thousand percent. So the spirit of your point, if you want to do things that may not help you tonight in order to rehearse for the playoffs, maybe you should have played Paul Reed more on the line of that theory in Sacramento. He might not have been the best chance to win that game. Maybe you lose it, but at least you're doing things that you're probably going to do uh in april and may with talking about the rotations it's probably a good thing that josh grieve our colleague put something up on the site earlier today and it's just a rotation trust level 
And there have been people that are commenting on the poll, but since this poll came out today, we thought that Dave and I would give it a shot. Josh mentioned a couple of players in the column, and we're just going to go one at a time based off of what Josh put in the piece, and we'll give the poll options, and we'll see how we all, we feel about it. So first up, George Niang. This past week, three games, 63 minutes played, 9-15 from three, 61% from the field. Now, the poll goes, how much trust do you have in George Niang? And the three choices are, one, little to none, two, eh, we'll see come April, or three, just a lot. Incredible trust in George Niang. I fall on the a lot right now, and that has been the case for about two months. George Niang has been playing out of his mind this season from three. And I got to say, if he's open or even if he's like covered, you know how on uh, NBA 2K, it'll say like contested, lightly contested. Even if he's lightly contested, I'm still holding the button down so I can get that shot off. I don't care. I also voted for a lot. And I know it's risky to do so because when they play a team like the Raptors in the playoffs, a guy like Pascal Siakam knows I can elbow this dude in the face and I'm getting the call. I'm going yeah. to the line if I elbow him. And so there's just some officiating crews who see the minivan out there and just think to themselves, there's no way I'm not calling a foul against him. Exactly. That's why he's hard to trust. And I think some of that is a little bit unfair because you saw against the Lakers, he makes some good possessions. When other guys were pushing up too far on non-shooters like Russ, or I don't want to call LeBron a non-shooter because he's not a non-shooter, and he was wetting up the Sixers that night. Oh, my God. But he played him right. He played him the way Boris Diaw used to play LeBron when yes. Boris was on the Spurs. And he, you know, he, he faded back, gave him a lot of room, and he dared him to shoot it. And then when he did, he'd just get a hand up. But he was going to say, if you're going to blow by me, I have like a lot of room to get a head start. Exactly. And so I'd much rather you shoot. I like I like what he did. He wasn't a total sieve that game defensively. Um, so in spot minutes, when you look across the league and you look at some of the players that the top teams will be deploying, you know, he's not that much worse than a guy like a Pat Connaughton. He might be better. We talked a lot about on this podcast about how he has just been unbelievable at getting his shot off no matter how contested and making them. Yeah. Like, I don't think he was doing that to the same degree last season. I don't think so either, which is why it's just a bonus what we're getting from him this season from a shooting perspective. I do agree that in uh, games against the Raptors or guys with, like, these tougher bully balling uh, wings and power forwards, he's going to struggle a little bit he's defensively. Got a brutal whistle, yeah. But I, I got to say, I, I do trust him. I trust him in the, on the floor, and I have no problems with him out there if it's like four minutes to go and we just need points. It, yeah, when you see him out there with three starters, one bench guy, or you see him, or see Shake, or you see, you know, Paul Reed, you always feel a little bit better. It's when Doc goes to four of these guys, when it's Niang and Shake and Paul Reed and Maxi. Yeah that you saw against Sacramento, they just drew six fouls on us in about two and a half minutes. And so it was like, just ram into Paul Reed, just ram into Niang. And a lot of these are fouls because those guys are foul prone. Matisse can be also. But some of it is their reputation. And I guess I just hope that 
we see a little bit more playoff like rehearsal stuff where they're not playing four of those guys at once because it really makes them all look a little bit worse than they truly are. Speaking of Matisse, he's the next item on the list. Uh, weekly stats, three games, 28 minutes played, four points, one to five from the field, two blocks, two steals. Uh, pretty ordinary week for Thibel as he was only used as a defensive specialist, as Josh pointed out. So I kind of feel like this poll is kind of a loaded question. How much trust do you have in Matisse Thibel? If you're asking me how much do I trust him offensively, little to none. But if you're asking me defensively, I'm still more or less in the, eh, we'll see come April. Uh, wow, so you're not camp. even going to give him a lot for just defense? Uh, just defensively, I'm not sure because um, I didn't see, I didn't crunch the numbers about when he was guarding De'Aaron Fox or he was guarding Damian Lillard. Well, uh, is there anyone on the team that you would vote a lot of trust for the just defensive end? Is there any sixer? All right, good point. Yeah, defensively, I trust Thibel with uh with my entire heart and soul. That's that's true. That's <laughs> okay. True. When you put it that way, yeah, <laughs> I, I trust Matisse a lot on the defensive end, little to none on the offensive end. So it's kind so of like maybe you're in the middle. Well, eh, we'll see. Overall, I'm kind of in the middle with Matisse right now. Yeah, I voted. Eh, we'll see. I, I'm totally prepared emotionally, uh, logically for the Matisse Seibel Philadelphia experience to come to an end. I oh, won't be surprised uh, at all. Yeah, I think I think there has got to be at least a 44 percent chance that he's on another team come February 10th. I see what uh, you did there. You just doubled Matisse's number and used it as a percentage. That's nice. Oh, didn't mean to, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I noticed these things, Dave. I like math riddle pun listening. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, he's got a useful salary if they want to combine him with Furkan and bring back a guy in the seven, eight, nine million dollar range. So, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I'm a little bit worried that they're going to try to duck the tax, and I don't want them to part with any good things in order to do that. I would actually hate that. Yeah. Um, but if they're, if they could get a good player, I would be certainly open to moving Matisse. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm down on people who just say, should you move him or not? Because I just think it's all relative to what you're getting back. You can't answer that question without naming some guys you'd be getting. Are you getting Reggie Bullock from the Mavs? Are you getting a tax break for Josh Harris? Are you yeah. getting something, you know, something else? So. All right, next item up for bid is Montreal Arrow. Three games, 60 minutes played, 25 points, 10 to 13 from the field. Uh, I'm going to make this short and sweet, and we'll see you come April. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, I think sweet there's, for me. <laughs> there's some matchups where he could help, and there's some matchups where he will help less. Exactly. Uh, if they are eyeing upgrades at the backup center spot, um, it doesn't seem like an imprudent thing to consider, in my opinion, because we know going back to 2020 that not only does Trez have trouble defending a good pick and roll, but Doc doesn't seem to respond even when it's going south. So if they were, if they found themselves, like they saw what Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic did to the Utah Jazz, and they still played Trez that much, and it didn't go well, and it most likely cost Doc his job with the Clippers. And now here Trez is, and we're heading to the postseason in a couple months. So it's hard to trust him. And part of that is the coach. He's not necessarily matchup dependent with this backup center spot. So I think that's a long way of saying I don't trust him, Trez, a lot. 
um, I don't think they're going to get to play the Sacramento Kings in the in playoffs. Right. <laughs> Unless a miracle happens in the yeah. NBA Finals. Uh, last but certainly not least, because we love him, Shake Milton, three games, 60 minutes played, 29 points, 10 to 22 from the field. Um, oh, God, I'm leaning towards the little to none in this camp, but based off his Ooh. last week, based, you didn't let me finish, based on his last week, I'm at least upgrading to, and we'll see come April. I still think there is potential, especially with the Shake and Maxi tandem. I actually very much enjoy that. So we'll see come April if that match, if that uh, tandem works in the playoffs. I'm okay with only, that. Only two out of 130 so far have voted little to none. We got 31 for eh, we'll see come April. 75% trust him a lot. So I think that I'm I would go. not there. I don't think I could ever get there with Shake. No, I'm not there. The biggest reason I'm not there is because to truly compliment Joe and James, you got to kind of be a two-way three-point shooter. And I'm not sure how comfortable Shake is just shooting catch and shoot threes. He still seems more comfortable to me putting the ball on the floor. He's got a bag. He's kind of a hooper. Uh, he likes to get in the paint and take some of these leaners. And sometimes that's his first instinct. But for James to be out there on the floor with you when Joel sits, you really want to space the floor. You want guys... You want defenders to feel like they have to hug someone spotting up in the corner. You don't necessarily see that when Shake is, is sitting there. All right. So here, here's something that Dave kind of teased off Mike, and we're, we're, I'm going to do it now. He, he asked me, like, how much credit do I, should I personally give Doug Rivers, seeing as how he's been, you know, my, my personal enemy on this podcast this whole time? <laughs> Uh, yes. Should we be eating any crow after this winning streak and winning eighteen of twenty-two and winning without Joel and James and getting up into that two-seed area? I'm not eating the whole crow. Okay, I'm not eating the whole thing. I I will say I I will have to eat a wing and a leg at least. <laughs> okay. Like I I don't need I don't need to consume any breasts or thighs like a wing and a leg. That's all. I'm what about a God. foot? A foot, beak, or feathers? No, that's just that's just gross. Like organs. No, you get that you get that kind of stuff that stuff in like off-brand chicken McNuggets. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm 42 years old, Dave. I have to watch what I'm eating nowadays. Yeah, I I would say yes. I'm happy to give him some credit, but on the whole, not really. I mean, I don't think fans ever especially doubt, since, especially since he'll tailspin within the next like week and a half. He could, but I was gonna say like. None of us ever thought he cannot win you a shorthanded regular season game. I mean, you remember the 2019 season when the Clippers traded the Sixers to Tobias Harris and everyone thought, okay, there'll be a lottery team. And then they made the playoffs around 500 and they won a playoff game against the Warriors. It was like, hey, this is the ideal situation for Doc. Yeah. And this road trip has proved that the James Harden, Joel Embiid pick and roll is rolling to steal the phrase from our Jackson Frank who wrote that great piece for Uprox. Nice. Um, and some of these role players are starting to play. You don't want to take away too much credit and whine too much about Doc because he's not been terrible. But Andrew Unterberger of Rights to Ricky Sanchez wrote that piece. Like, here's 10 reasons why I'm not all in yet, despite how good <laughs> they're playing. And number five on his list was Doc. And I, I felt a lot of, 
you know, validation there. Cause I, I too worry about doc, not now, not at this time of year. I do think doc might be good enough to get you the second seed or the third seed. If things broke, right. If injuries went their way, but is he the best guy? Like what happens when he's trying to go head to head against Mike Budenholzer or Joe Mazzula or a team that might be better than his team. Then I think he, you get into some trouble. Yeah, the Celtics are looming right there. Like they're gonna have they they're gonna have to beat Boston to go to the NBA Finals. They're gonna have to beat Milwaukee to go to the NBA Finals. And I've seen it time and time again. I don't know if Doc is that guy to do it, but he's yeah. looked good over the last month, month and a half. I will give him that. I will give him that and nothing else right now. <laughs> I think it was Sixers Adam who was like forget which game it was maybe it was the Clippers and he was like some of these rotations are just lazy and incompetent and you know we're almost midway into the season and we have the two prior seasons to see that this is a thing they are going to trot out some bench two bench heavy lineups that don't work they are going to botch the backup center situation um and so there are some predictable things that you kind of feel are going to hurt them in the playoffs once they play a team like a Miami from last year all right, now that we've given Doc some kudos, let's go to the break. <laughs> That's the least kudos he's ever got, but go ahead. <laughs> let's, let's, go to, let's go to the break. Let's uh, play some of these ads, make a little money, and uh, we'll be back on the Out of Sight podcast on the Liberty Ball Podcast Network back after these words. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am Adil Royster, your host. Dave Early also here, uh, kicking it with me, uh, also hosting. I don't know why I struggle with that, but whatever. Uh, Josh Harris, Sixers owner. Report came out last week, and it was reported to Liberty Ballers, if you saw it on the site. And you just, the, the groans, the groans, the sighs. Josh Harris apparently is in the talks to purchase the Washington Commanders. Okay, um, Josh, why are you, are you just trying to be disliked in this town as much as possible by trying to purchase a rival team in the division that the hometown football team is in? I I don't get it. Like first the first the Devils, now the Commanders. Like Josh, do you just want to be hated in this town? Well, he was from Chevy Chase, Maryland, I believe. He might have grew up rooting for them. Maybe uh. Well, he, I think he just wants a team. He, he was in there for the Broncos. He was in for the He Broncos. was in there for the Mets. I remember, yeah, I remember the Mets and how that played out on uh, on social media. That, that was nice for him. 
Yeah, the Phillies Mets thing would have been there too. I think I don't think it's specific to one team any more than Daryl Morey being absolutely hell bent on Harden last year. I think he wants a team and he's open to like <laughs> what was the phrase? Like I, we're open to thirty. We have a list of thirty. I think right. Harris has a list of thirty franchises he wants. Because I remember also back in back in the day before they sold, like Mark Cuban was also out here trying to buy up everything. Like he was in there for the Cubs that year, just like. I'm starting to feel like Harris is trying to be one of those owners and really shouldn't be because he's having a hard time. Uh, he's having a hard enough time concentrating on one franchise right now or two, if you count the devils. Yeah. If you're going to look at it from a fan perspective, fans are not big fans of Josh Harris because no. they think, I mean, it still hurts. It's very frustrating to see how wasteful they were with the process assets. And they had key decisions to make. They could have moved on from Sam Hinkie or go the Colangelo route, and they picked wrong. And then when that blew up in their face, they decided, let's try to do this ourselves the way we run our non-basketball businesses, like an investment committee, and a group of us will make collaborative decisions. And that was even worse. And so you look what Daryl Morey inherited, including Doc Rivers, who was hired before him, and the whole thing still kind of feels sort of collaborative when you get these rumors that what the Sixers need to do with this deadline is duck the luxury tax. And you've got a lot of insiders talking about this and how they are just $1.1 million away from ducking the tax. And you get it. Just doing that little thing could save them tens of millions of dollars down the road. You want to max Tyrese Maxey. Joel's got a super max. You have a new TV deal. You don't know what you're going to have to pay Harden to keep right. him. So it makes sense to do that. But on the other hand, it's like, wait, are we ducking the tax so that you could buy, buy a, commanders? Six billion, a $6 billion commander's team? Because then that that hurts. And that starts to get into those optics things where fans would see them sell second round picks for cash. And then here he departed from draft night at the facility in a chopper and be like, well, come on. Why didn't we get to keep the pick? How much money did we need? So, And, and you said this again before the pod started, like the – the Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey, like letting them go and seeing what Isaiah Joe did against the Sixers when like Isaiah Joe is, but can you imagine Isaiah Joe on this team? Yeah. So Kyle Newbeck, our Paul Hudrick, Derek Bodner, Brian Tobrick, they've all done excellent coverage of this subject. And I think the source, the source line around that subject was they want flexibility and the extra roster spot because they signed PJ Tucker, they're hard capped, right? And so yeah. there's not a lot of wiggle room. And the, the postulate at the time was you can, by waving Bassey and Joe, you could actually take back more in salary than you're sending out come the deadline and also be players in that buyout market. And fans were like, okay, that makes sense. If you can do better and Doc's not going to play these guys anyway. But now the, the talk has shifted. And you hear Jake Fisher and guys saying, they're not looking to take back more money than they send out. They're looking to take back less, less money than they send out. So you wonder, was the plan all along to just creep a little bit closer to ducking the tax? And it was kind of meted out to us in a, you know, sort of a foot in the doorway. Like, all right, over the next six months, we'll cut this guy, we'll cut that guy, and then we'll cut one more and we'll be under the tax. But all the while, we'll say something like, you know, hey, maybe the Sixers will have wiggle room to make a play and, and bring in a Jay Crowder or someone 
it'll never materialize. We'll duck the tax and we'll get away with it and we'll buy the commanders. You know, a cynic could certainly look at it that way. And the Sixers have to prove that that's not actually what they were thinking all along at this deadline. And it puts a lot of pressure on them. And what's the, sorry, go ahead. Puts pressure on Josh Harris because fans want don't want to think he put a mandate. I mean, Joel Embiid's 28. Daryl Moore keeps saying this is the most important year of Joel's prime. If there was a mandate in place to spend less money, that would hurt Joel Embiid's chances for sure. And it puts pressure on Doc, who fans clearly blame for not wanting to play guys like Isaiah Joe, who really gone away from player development ever since Maxi exploded, even though it seems like the Golden State Warriors or traditionally the San Antonio Spurs had been willing to do it while contending, like putting out a 19-year-old unproven raw prospect you got in the second round with a title contender, and his name turns out to be Ginobili. So it's like, do you have to stop developing? And it puts pressure on Maury to get this right too. And so a lot, a lot of pressure. And with the trade, trade deadline coming up, like there's going to be there are names out there, you know, Cam Reddish, like the the Knicks only want like a couple second round picks for him, or you just uh, Rui Hashimura was traded to the Lakers for a couple second round picks. And there's a name that came out today that I got extremely, extremely giddy about. The fact that San Antonio is willing to uh, sell, I, I guess, medium on Doug McDermott. Yeah, I thought you were going to oh. say giddy about Josh Giddy, but I like what you did there. Fulfill, the, fulfill my personal prophecy with Doug McBuckets in a Sixers jersey, <laughs> Daryl. Come on. Like, yeah, they, I mean. They, they that could is use... absolutely something the Sixers could use right now. Like, he's sitting right there. They're spinning the ball. Just take it. The, yeah, I, I was reading, like, I think four out of five. 80% of the time, teams have short. Forget it. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. You, I get what you're saying about the development. They lean more into the win now. Doug McDermott. If you look at him right now, what kind of player he is, he is the perfect piece for this win-now mentality. He's somebody you can throw out there in bench minutes with – like, can you imagine this lineup? Joel, Harden, McDermott, Niang, and Melton, we'll say. It could be Melton. It could be Maxi. It could be Thibault. Well, probably not Thibault because you need a ball handler. But – well, you got Harden out there. But either way, a pair of – flamethrowers out there like McDermott and Niang with Melton and Harden like that's a lineup that would just destroy in some of those like Joel only minutes or some of those Harden only minutes yeah if I was James Harden's like best friend I would be like you know you came back here to Daryl Morey's team you didn't get a max you only got like basically a one-year deal with an option and they rarely play you with all shooters around with they never do five out the way you used to like in small ball Houston and so McDermott uh, is the perfect piece for something like that don't wouldn't you think like you would have tried that they actually didn't try that with Ben Simmons I thought as soon as Daryl Morey was hired I thought okay he'll finally put like four shooters around Ben and have them actually spot up beyond the arc and see how that looks and they didn't do it because they also signed Dwight Howard and it was kind of wacky for months at a time and uh, it's also kind of hard to play uh, four out like that when, you know, one of the four that has to be out is probably going to have to be Embiid. 
Unless we're talking just Ben, uh, just Ben only minutes. I, I'd be, con- I would have been content with Joel sitting now, and this is what you do. You know, in the past, I thought Joel sitting. You, d- you too bad you don't have a guy like Mike Muscala, a, a Bobby Portis, a PJ Tucker, some guys that smarter teams over the years Tucker. have have landed. Yeah, PJ Tucker was able to do that. Like Robert Covington, these guys could guard bigs at times in stretches, you know, for 10 minutes a game and give you good production and hit, hit open threes. Uh, the Sixers don't do a ton of that, even when Joel sits with James on. Lately, they've been going to these Maxi and Shake Trez lineups, and you have both Harden and Embiid off the floor. Uh, a lot of the times it hasn't worked, but it did work over the last couple games. Uh, I think, was it the Portland game? It was the Portland game, yeah. Yeah. All right, so what, to, to summarize... Uh, let's let's trade for Doug McDermott, and uh, who who cares? I mean, well, if what are your I'm, thoughts on guys who gel their hair for basketball games? Because I've always been on the fence about this. It's pointless. Why are you going to do that? It's just going to get sweaty and messy. It's just going to get screwed up by the end. But of the I game. wasn't mad when Corver did it, but I don't love it when McDermott does it. They, bo- I mean, they both have beautiful heads of hair, so do anything you want. But and I guess Gordon Hayward pulls it off. Listen, if McDermott is shooting 40% from three in a Sixers jersey, I don't give a damn what he does with his hair. He could go marine cut for all I get for all I care. Like if he's if he's hitting if if he's hitting three of five from three or when the in the Sixers playoff game, I don't really care what he does with his hair. I'm I just as someone honest. who's played so much pickup, I've played in high school. You're worried idea, about the wrong aesthetics, Dave. <laughs> the idea of gelling my hair to go profusely sweat is just never something I would consider. <laughs> Dave, that's what I love about you, Dave. You're always looking at things that I would have never even thought of before, ever in life. If you had McDermott, this is going to be something we talk about every other week. Oh, awesome. All the more reason to trade for him. I mean that in the most <laughs> sincere form what possible. Like, I'm down to do, like, uh, Sixers hair rating for the remainder of the season. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Like, um, another segment. My mom still asks me about Joel's, uh, what was it, like, one-game braids look she says how come what do you why do you think he did it and why do you think he stopped doing it um why did why does it i don't know why anybody really does that with their hair at this point because i just know that when i tried to put when i've had braids in my hair just the hour or two hour uh process that it takes to get that done and all the yanking and pulling and the pain is just like i don't know why anybody would subject themselves to that mm. but that's and just you- me and if you were gonna, you'd think you'd leave it for at least a couple of weeks, right? Uh, you'd be lucky. I, I was lucky if it lasted a week, week and a half. I get it. Okay. Thankfully, my mom did it that way. I didn't have to like pay fifty, sixty bucks a pop to get it done because my allowance was not allowing for that when I was like seventeen, eighteen years old. You need to do what what Jake Fisher said Harden does and have like didn't he say like his barber was living with him for a little while? <laughs> Maybe you have to be. Dave, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm 42 years old. I got the full Jordan going on right now, and I have no need for a personal barber in my house. <laughs> maybe maybe my nephew, but definitely not me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, so, so to summarize, uh, Dave thinks I should get a personal barber from my house just to shave my head. Although, that's not a bad idea. I would totally do that. You know, I had a roommate for a few years who had to pull off the Jordan. So he was shaving himself. So there would be like hair and then he would nick himself and there'd be blood in the sink. He, he could have definitely used a barber. 
I, I agree with that. Like, I just need one time. I just want the straight up, like, Italian shave. Like, they get the hot foam and everything. Oh, like, yeah, like the scene in Mad Men that they, they've got the, yeah. I should do that for, like, my birthday this year. Like, I should treat myself or something. I don't know. If the Sixers win the title, I'll do that for the parade. How about that? I like it. Okay, just be <laughs> just be careful with that razor. I won't be I won't be doing the shaving. It'll be it'll be a trained professional. That that's true. That's true. <laughs> Still, I'd be worried. I sneeze. <laughs> On that note, uh, the the idea of someone cutting my bald head. Let's just end it there before this goes down a path that we don't need to go down. Uh, like subscribe to the podcast we are on everything apple podcast spotify google podcast apple podcast i think i said that twice but whatever uh follow the sh- follow the site at liberty baller at liberty underscore ballers read the site libertyballers.com you can also follow dave and i on socials i am Adi- at adil b royster dave is at david early always fun talking to you i wait talk- wait do you what, what, do you what? have a super role prediction for us I, I don't really want to say because my heart says one thing, but my gambling brain says something completely different. Say both. All right. So my heart says Eagles Bengals, but my brain says uh, 49, but my gambling brain says 49ers Bengals, just so I can get that, uh, the, the, that tasty underdog parlay. I think I agree with your heart. I think it's going to be Eagles Bengals. Yeah. Joe Burrow is three, and zero against Pat Mahomes. And that includes two games in Kansas city. I think. I actually think the Chiefs would win if Mahomes was fully healthy. But the with a high yes. ankle sprain six days later, no no way. Not a chance. No. Uh the I don't know what the numbers are on DraftKings, but I'm telling you everybody right now, grab the Bengals while you're getting plus odds. Grab them right now. Yeah, I saw as soon as the Chiefs were favored and bet the remaining amount in my account on them. <laughs> oh, Bengals. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got free bets and I'm just like, all right. Bengals money line all day. Let's go. Yeah. But uh, hopefully next week we'll be chatting it up about what we're doing as far as like Super Bowl parties. Uh, yeah, I think if you can rely on A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, I think that's your ra- your path. And I think Jalen Hurts is good enough to do it. So I like the Eagles. All right. Let's, let's go birds. Go birds. Peace, love, and Sixers also. Uh, Brooklyn on Wednesday, Denver on Saturday, and then – Eagles Niners, Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m. It's going to be a fun weekend, folks.